come a bit closer so I can see those guys in corner. Happy New Year. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the gift of Jesus who has rescued and redeemed and saved us. We thank you, Jesus, that you promised to build your kingdom such that there are that even the gates of hell will not be able to stand against it. We love being in your kingdom, Lord. And we pray and say now thank you for the wonderful things that you are doing for us in our lives, in this church, in this community, right across the UK. It's uh, a joy to be here. What a happy throng. And uh, what a, a great joy it is to get back uh, to one another, to get back to the Lord and uh, set our sails for 2020. I always love a new year. Um, and I do feel that in some ways there's a spiritual page turning for the country. And uh, it's not simply the ticking of time in a new decade. But it just feels like there's a sense of moving forward. This is definitely not a party political broadcast. But I, I, I feel very, very excited about this new decade uh, of purpose, of seeing God move. And we get to be part of the divine comedy is we get to be a part of God's plan, uh, which is um, fantastic. I feel um, for us in this decade, what he's doing with us as a church, it is time to not be fearful at heart, to really just strengthen our feeble knees, any of us, um, if you have a knee operation if you need it, um, and, and actually to rise forth in God's plan, not in a brash uh, optimism, but in God's plan, and to begin to lead in the kingdom in deep communities. And I do feel that we should be actively pursuing the salvation of hundreds of lives this decade. I just want to say this calmly and steadily because I feel this is so momentous. Hundreds and hundreds of lives to get hundreds of thousands of lives to be saved this decade. Hundreds of thousands of families to be put back together. There'll be no marriages lost on our watch in our community. That we will drive forward and see the kingdom move from the church out into the villages. And the result looks like some of the essence of what we heard in the reading. Those who are lame, those who can't walk in a particular way, not just being able to walk, but now leaping like a deer. When you think about the parts of our lives which may be lost or broken, or those we know who are lost or broken, Suddenly, not just getting back to normal, but leaping for joy and exhilaration and freedom and the power of God. Come on, we want to do that. So I want to talk to you about this morning about the glory of God. And I want to talk to you about, I think, one facet that God is adding, I believe, to what he wants us to grow into. And I want to talk about um, our focus I don't know if it's for this year or whether it's for this decade, but this phrase, preparing for glory. I think Mark's here, Mark's here at the front. Preparing for glory. And let me just give some content to those words for a minute because when I say preparing for glory, 
some of us might hear that is, let's get ready to die. <laughs> in one of those weird, you know, cults in the outback of America, you know, far from anybody. You know, ah, let's drink this weird potion and die. Um, I'm not talking about preparing to die. Although I do think as a Christian, we should be ready all the time. And for us to die is gain, isn't it? And the time that we have to live is for him. It's life that Paul writes to the Philippians. Preparing for glory. What, it, what is glory? The glory of God is the highest possible display or manifestation of God's presence to us. Holly, who's one of our children's leaders, was saying, that's a great phrase, but how do I translate that to children? So I said, the glory of God is basically Jesus. Before Jesus returns, where God is so fully amongst us that his character, his nature, and his presence are filling everything here. In the summer, we were in Canada, and when we were in Toronto, uh, we nipped down, uh, it's about an hour's drive, to Niagara Falls. One or two of us may have been there. And it's a bizarre place, because it's a bit like Blackpool, <laughs> with your b- behind you, <laughs> and you're looking at this stunning waterfall, and then there's, it's like Vegas or something like that behind you. Uh, but anyway... When you look at the, at the waterfall, well, you can go and see it and you can stand right next to it. You know, there's a very frighteningly low barrier that shields your precious children from this torrent of water. And there's millions of cubic litres of water just pouring down from this um, fast-flowing river that you can literally almost reach out and touch. And you can stand right sort of over the waterfall and there's just this water just deluging, just pouring down. And what comes off it is a mist, almost like a fog, because it's hitting the earth so, it's hitting the, the river below so hard that it creates a spray. And if you get a boat, which we didn't, but you can get a boat called the Maid of the Mist, and it'll take you right into the, the sort of cloudy mist where this water's hitting the the water from above is hitting the, the water and get as close as you can to the water, the waterfall itself. And then the water, once it gets to the bottom, flows out and it finds its way eventually through, you know, thousands of miles to the Atlantic. And I was thinking, it's such a picture of the glory of God. You're standing up here and God is, I believe, in 2020, wanting to release so much to this church and to our lives and to Sussex, I believe, he's wanting to release so much. And when the river of God pours forth freely, the glory of God is like the spray that is just a symptom or overflow of so much of God's presence coming from heaven into our lives and into the church and beyond. And it's the sort of display or physical reflection of God in this, in this realm. Um, let me try and um, give a practical example. Who was here for when John Arnott visited us last year? Yeah, lots of us. And there was a moment halfway through the worship where we were singing over and over, 
let it rain. And we were singing, I believe, like a prayer, let it rain with your presence in this land, in this church, let it rain over and over for about 15 minutes. And I was like just worshipping the Lord, just thinking it doesn't get much better than this. And um, I literally had just drops of water come, fall on my hands. I sort of looked around and thought maybe one of the kids is, you know, spraying a water bottle. It was nothing. And we were just singing, let it rain, let it rain. And I just, and I think it was the unity of spirit and the joining of hearts and the blessing of God that he just dropped raindrops on my hands that night. And there were about four or five other people who got the same at different parts of the room. So it wasn't one of the kids with a water bottle. But it was the glory of God where he was being God amongst us. And it just, I don't know, it cannot help but change the, the physical atmosphere. And it's not simply just to focus on how good that was and the fact that, yay, I got raindrops on my hands. But it was the purity of the moment and the, the lordship of God being amongst us that just changes things. And I, I, there's so much good going on amongst us. And I think really what I would say is, this is, is barely begun. And let's pursue more and more and more of his glory where he, God, is leading us fully where he's allowed to be so present that things change and this, what he's doing amongst us can flow through our lives in just such powerful ways. You know, um, when Paul and um, uh, Silas were arrested in Acts chapter 16 and put in prison, remember that story? My chains fell off. Yeah, you know, that's where it's from. And... Um, and they're in a tough spot, and they're just worshipping away, you know, singing Jesus, only you, like, you know, Luke was this morning. And the glory of God comes, and it erupts in the prison, and there's an earthquake, and the chains break, and everything is changed. The jailer becomes a Christian, his whole household does. We want to see the glory of God interrupting our prisons, and breaking forth, and changing everything. Now, as we prepare for more, there's a few things that we I just wanted to put in place. I want to touch on these and then bring this one, I guess, aspect of God's glory for us that I believe he's stirring up. But as we prepare for God's glory, then if we do it properly, according to the Bible, then that will mean the church will continue to grow. That will mean things will change everywhere. And there's a sense in which we're preparing for this and getting ready. So, Mark, um, just a few things coming up. You remember we had our month of discernment, trying to work out how God is leading us and how he wants us to continue to grow in the future. So we've been working this through, and we had some brilliant prophetic stuff, and uh, the surveys responded and all of that, and we're uniting as a PCC in a couple of weeks and we're going to work through all that and then we're going to talk to you guys on the 26th of February. Put that on your um, schedule if you possibly can. Next one, Mark. 
One of the areas that we lose in European 21st century society is a sense which was innate in the early disciples of family. Now, if you talk to those with a, a, a Jewish heritage, family and generations are so important. And as we prepare for the glory of God, we want to reflect this in greater and greater ways. We want to build family. And so in the spring, in March, we're going to be rebooting what we're doing about small community, and we'll talk to you about that. Because I think one thing Louise and I were really challenged by when we went to the Arctic was we want the glory of God spiritually, we want that reflected in the strongest, most loving, God-filled households that are open and shared and building life together, you know, across and have really strong bonds of relationship right across the church so that we're able to say, come on, come into our family, come into this community, and we're able to do that in a way which can be replicated for hundreds and hundreds of lives. So we're going to look at that in uh, March. We also want to do pastoral ministry better. And so Jim and Dolly, uh, certainly for this year, and then we'll see what God's doing, are going to oversee pastoral ministry across the whole parish, Ashington, Washington, and Brixton uh, for this year, So, which we're really grateful to them for. And just wanting to build strength in this particular way for us as we prepare for more. We want to be caring for people, building people up, and releasing people into the fullness of who they are. And Jim and Dolly are going to oversee that. We also want to prepare for moments where God will release his glory. And we're going to talk to uh, across the congregations about this next Sunday. Uh, but we are walking the South Downs in prayer and we're gathering on Chanterbury Ring this summer. And I've got to say, um, uh, well, we'll talk about it next week. I'm really excited about this. You know, there are churches rising up. We got an email this week from a bunch of churches in Burgess Hill saying, can you come and talk to us about it? We want to get involved. We want to tell all our people. We've got a Beacon Church in Lewis, Fiji Head Chaplaincy, guys coming in to the West, da-da-da-da-da. It's really exciting. So um, we're going to talk about that next uh, Sunday. And we're just preparing a moment where we come together in unity, in love, in blessing for the land, and we're praying that God will release his glory in great measure, and he'll change things. Um, and uh, so we'll talk to you a bit about that and how we can get involved next weekend. To prepare for that, we're going to have a, a day conference as a church, as Shanks, on Saturday the 4th of April. Put it in your diary. Um, we're not going to do a Kingdom Come conference this year because we're going to do South Downs Awakening, and we're going out. But we want to prepare, and we're set Saturday, the 4th of April, Palm Sunday, preparing the way for the Lord, and I'd love you to put that in your schedules. And we're also dedicating this month to prayer, to worship, and seeking the Lord. Now, there's um, one, one aspect that I believe God is stirring up, and I want to turn to it now from our reading. One of the things, um, if you think about um, 
Revelation, John sees the church and he refers to the church as a bride. A bride who's prepared herself and made herself ready. The Lord has given us many gifts and aspects of his character as a church. He's given us faith to believe that the kingdom will come and break into our lives. Last year particularly, he's been teaching us about the Father's love and knowing an intimate revelation of his character and nature as Father in our lives. As we pursue the glory of the Lord, I think there's one aspect that God wants to add to us this year, and it's a revelation of his holiness. His holiness. Now, when I trained to be a vicar, every time someone, when I trained to be a vicar, with a whole bunch of people who were training for ordained ministry, every time anyone went near holiness, it was a bit like you were kind of, you know, letting off in the room or something or <laughs> I don't know if I can say that my family always giggle about wind so forgive me for that but it was, it was like you were kind of doing something very very unpopular and when we talk about holiness in the church I do think what happens is that gets spoiled so quickly by the enemy who wants us to feel condemned and not good enough it's interesting, and just sort of looking at the journey that Isaiah sees in chapter 35 of the restoration of God's people to be his people. That's why I love Isaiah. There's so much in there, you know, and, and lots of commentators feel that Isaiah contains the whole narrative of the Bible in one book. It's so rich. And in chapter 35, Isaiah is seeing the restoration of God's people into their promised land, back to where they should be, with everything set right as it should be. You know, if we're to see the glory of God here before Jesus' return, that includes the restoration of our lives, of this church, of our land, so that things should be as they should. And Isaiah sees what he calls the way of holiness or a highway of holiness leading God's people to that place. And what that looks like is that it's a road, a, travel, a traveling, a journey for all those who are being made and who are holy. Now, Jesus, if we put our whole trust in him, redeems us and forgives us by the shedding of his blood, which we sang at the start of this service. And because he forgives us of all of our sins, our status changes and we are made holy in the eyes of the Lord. This is why when the epistles are written, they're written to the saints in Philippi, the saints in Colossus, saints in Corinth, because he is now talking to redeemed, made holy people. So I want to look at it in this way. On the 3rd of June, 2000, uh, on the 3rd of March, sorry, on the 3rd of June, 2002, I got married. On the 3rd of March, 2004, we had our eldest son. 
And on the 2nd of March, I was not a father. Well, I guess I was, because he was in Louise's tummy. But on the 3rd of March, I became a father. I was 23 years old, and I was terrified. <laughs> on the 5th of January, 2020, I believe that I'm more of a father than I was on the 3rd of March, 2004. I believe I, I'm a richer, fuller expression of being a dad than I was you know, 15 and nearly 16 years ago. I hope that I'll be an even richer expression in another 15 years' time. My status changed on the 3rd of March, but it's then for me to discover and step into and reflect all that has been, all that has happened to me through this event on the 3rd of March. Does this make sense? So we, if we put our trust in Jesus, have been made holy and in terms of our status and identity, but it's now for us to discover and to reflect in fuller and richer ways throughout our lives the beautiful nature and character of God. There's one description that is referred to him and him alone, and it's that he is holy. And that word is so hard to describe, but it means set apart and distinct and other to everything else created. And we put words to that like pure, like clean. I would say like light, like joy. And this, I believe, is what he wants to form in our lives in greater and greater measure. Because it says on the highway to holiness, there's no beasts there, no lions. You know, think about this for a moment. Are there those, now, you're not going to walk around Ashington and get chewed up by a lion, are you? But there's stuff in our lives which sometimes flares up and takes a big bite out of us, isn't it? And then we limp around for a while, and the Lord has to restore us and make us better, and then we sort of stagger back, and then we go forward again. And then sometimes it can just take a big bite out of our lives. And I believe God wants us to be absolutely watertight, reflecting the beautiful character of the Lord so that we're able to move forward and not quench or hinder or grieve his beautiful presence so that we are able to walk up the highway of holiness and we're able to guide others with such strength, with such love, with such character and purity that we're able to say, come on. You know, we're living in a world today where there's just an utter degradation of everything physical and emotional and spiritual. And the church is to shine forth with a purity and a love and a holiness which just scatters impurity wherever we go. Now that's not to bring us under a condemnation. Because if you look at this here, what happens as we walk up the highway of holiness, it's full of joy. Because we're not walking with a shackle any longer. We haven't got a ball and chain dragging us back or we're staggering forward. But we're liberated and free. And his character and his beauty is being formed in our lives and in our hearts. That requires us, as Peter would say in his letter, 1 Peter chapter 2, to rid ourselves of all that stuff which is not healthy. 
envy and malice and jealousy and all those things. It's also to behold his beauty, to look into his eyes, and to be transformed from one degree of glory to another as we behold his goodness and his glory, as we gaze upon him and he changes us and he sets us free and he releases our lives. Jesus walked in such power and authority because he was without sin. The Spirit never withdrew. You know, I don't know about you, but if you have a, if you have an, an argument with someone, you can feel the grace of God just lifting off. It doesn't mean that you're unsaved anymore. But it means that the power of God is not moving through your life with the full, I don't know, full throttle. Does this make any sense? God is doing so much amongst us and he's calling us to so much and I believe he wants to form in our lives such goodness that comes straight from him such purity such self-control such gentleness such glory as we look to him I would um, have you got Two or three minutes? Is that all right? I've shared this with one or two, one or two before. Um, when we were away in the Arctic, we um, stepping away from here, seeking God. You know, what does the future look like? What does church look like? What do you want to do? And we were praying for. seeking God, but I wasn't really thinking hugely of this church or you all. But suddenly I was taken into this vision where I was stood in Ashington Church, probably about where where Sally is, against a wall, and there was just a cloud of his glory filling this church. And a cloud or I don't know what it what it looked like in Bible times but it was like a billowing, rumbling. It was almost like it was a storm inside. And the cloud looked, looked like it looked sort of quite dark, but then it sort of glittered as well. And I was just sort of stood there, and then I sort of pressed myself up against the wall because I barely wanted to sort of touch it because I knew that it carried all of God that he wanted to bring into our lives and into this church. And I look back and the church is just, it's like the church is going for miles and miles. This church is so long. And, and I just knew that the glory of the Lord
Lord was here, and I barely wanted to breathe because I didn't want to bring any of me into this, and I didn't want to spoil it in any way, but I didn't feel rejected or condemned. I just felt privileged and honored to be there, a bit like I was in the, in the real presence of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords before the throne of God. And then it was like there was decades going by and, you know, it was almost suddenly like I, I could just see the glory of God was lingering and remaining, but for generations. And suddenly we were in the 2100s and 2200s and the glory of the Lord was just dwelling here and dwelling here. And, you know, we were all there, I knew, but all I could see was just the cloud of his glory and him just reigning and ruling and releasing all, all that he is and all that he does here. And I, I, I feel like this is what he is doing with us and he's taking us further and deeper and higher. And if this is your first week, then, and this makes no sense to you, please don't worry. And I'm so sorry. But this is a place where God's turbocharged presence and his glory is purposed to dwell. And I believe he wants us to prepare for it and to prepare our lives to, to handle it and to carry it. And then as we go forth into the world, to bring light and a cleanness and a love and a holiness wherever we go. In Jesus' name.